So last week, we talked about uh, kind of setting the pace for the New Year's and resolutions and stuff like that. And, and, the, and the verse that we, we're going to finish up today is, is dealing with the Apostle Paul deals. We've been dealing with this about following God, but it's found in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. And we're going to finish up from last week so you won't be here long. Because last week we was here a long time. But Philippians 3 and 13 says this. So brethren, it means a woman's uterus, Adelphus. It means we're all born from the same womb. That's what it means. That's what he's referring to is the word brethren. doesn't mean like buddies. He didn't say buddies. Those of us that are born again by the Spirit of God, we have something in common. And he said, I don't count myself to apprehend it. It is a word called a lumbo. It means is to lay hold of it yet. I haven't laid hold of God yet. I don't. This whole process is that trying to lay hold of God because he already has hold of us. Even though six weeks ago we began this concept of thinking is that even though that God knows everything about us, we know nothing about him. But through the journey, we're trying to figure and make our way to know him better. And I will tell you this, after being married to my little bride for 40 years, I love her more and I know her more than I did the day I met her. And the day I met her and the day we got married, I thought well, it couldn't get any better. Well, it has, and it does, because it's, it's through intimacy and, and information. And so I don't count myself to apprehend, but this one thing that I do, I forget those things or forgetting those things are behind me and reaching forth into those things which are before me. What we brought out last week is what is the words that Jesus is telling us or Paul's telling us to forget? What is he telling us to forget? the things that are behind us. Apiso was a word that we found out last week, the things that are behind us, was something that is very useless, it's outdated, it's outwanted, uh, it's not useful anymore, it's not practical. Matter of fact, the definition means that it's so obsolete that it's, it, it has lost its expiration date. And we refer to the carton of milk. Reading an expiration date on a carton of milk is very important at 3 a.m. when the refrigerator light is no longer working. So you've heard me say a thousand times, what's the greatest light in my house? It's that 25-watt light bulb in the refrigerator at 3 a.m. It's not a big deal, but it is at 3 o'clock in the morning. And so what happens is you say, well, my little light is not that big a deal. It's a big deal when it's complete darkness. We're not here to spot airplanes. We're just here to give people just enough light to let them know the life of Christ. The very thing that is so important about this, we, we learned this, he said, I haven't completely laid hold of God yet. We talked about following God. Diakos means it's a professional hunter, not for recreation, but for occupation. I'm following him. And we began with the tracks, and a couple of weeks ago, now that we're following tracks, and now that we're hearing sounds, we're getting closer. But in this verse, he's telling us something very personal. He, what is it that we need to forget the things that are behind us? So I went to a lot of work last week to tell you the thing in your past is expired, it's obsolete, it's outdated. One translation I gave you, it needs to be buried, never revisited, or never to be reviewed again. Never. Because it's not profitable to you. There's nothing in the past, especially regrets. You, and you can live two ways. You can live in regret in your bad performances, or you can live in memory of the promises that God has made you. And I choose to do the second. So what happens is, is that he's telling us to forget the things that are behind us. Now, when I left you last week and we walked out of here, 
we gave you an English class lesson. The Apostle Paul doesn't say, he doesn't say this, brethren, I count, my not self, my, I count not myself to have apprehended it, but this one thing I do, I have forgot about those things that are behind me. He doesn't use the word forgot. The English word we've, we, we discussed last week, the difference between forgot and forgetting. By definition, the word forgot is, 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 a, is, a, is, a, is a past tense verb, and it means something that has left your memory all at once. It's gone. It's, it's gone. Paul is saying this. When I got born again, before I got born again, I was a real rat. Anybody here on the same ship with him? Yeah, only me and Don Dixon. And he said, the day I got saved and I saw him on the Damascus Road, from that moment forward, I never remember any bad thing I ever did. He's not saying that. He's not saying that I forgot all the people that I incarcerated, the men that I murdered, the homes that I separated, it never left my memory. And when I become born again and Jesus become Lord and Savior of my life, he's not saying that moment when I got up and said, yes, Lord, and on the Damascus Road when I saw him, he said, that's not what really what happened. Even though something changed in here, but I still had to deal with the thought process. For some reason, some of you have been watching TV preachers at 3 a.m. And listen, they're telling you once you get saved, everything will be better. They're lying to you. Infomercials and, and TV preachers all come on at 3 a.m. And we know why. Because at 3 a.m., you'll believe anything. When we get born again, there's a change in us. But our thoughts are still the same. But our hearts change. But through the process, the word forgetting, by definition, is an active verb. So the word forgot means I forgot about it. I mean, it's, it's erased out of my memory. It's spiritual amnesia. But that's not even true or possible. But the word forgetting is a word. It's, it's an active word. It means that our mind is working and it's ongoing. It's a mental act that's ongoing over time until something is forgotten. And we went to a lot of detail like this. Something that happened to you in the second grade, somebody for, you forgot about that through the years, and you find an old classmate that, he said, you remember the time that you stuck the teacher's cat in the, in the, in the, in the pencil array? You stuck his tail in the, in the pencil sharpener. No, I forgot about that, but I'm glad you reminded me. There, over time, we forget things. The Apostle Paul is saying this. When you get saved, there's a lot of things that we've done in our past that is not going to help you in your Christian walk. There's a lot of mistakes you made that's not going to help you. There's a lot of things that happened yesterday, the day before yesterday. It's all past. It's all buried, and it's illegal to go to the cemetery and exhume dead bodies. And so, too, it's illegal for you to exhume dead sins that God has already forgiven you about. Quit doing it because it's not helping you. You're carrying around carcasses that are not helping you here. So instead of just living our life, dragging around the, the, our past, we, we need to live our life according to the memory of what God says about our future. And he says, I have plans for you. So this word forgetting is a wonderful word. It's over time. So when you get saved and born again, anybody here besides me saved and born again? Okay. And how many knows that before we got saved, we were real, Jeremy, you and I were really rats. But just because something happens in our heart doesn't mean necessarily that our thought process changes. It begins. 
But the Bible says in Proverbs, says that out of the heart is the issues and the forces of life. And it's out of our heart. Once it's changed, then it begins to affect our mind, and our mind begins to dictate to our body. So, but it takes time. And just because you got saved doesn't mean your temper is going to come in, in subjection overnight. And maybe your language won't clean up overnight. I hope it does, but I want you to know some of these things just takes a little time. And so, too, one of the greatest sins that we can commit is still remembering things that God's forgotten about. It's not helpful to you. It's not helping you at all. It's not beneficial to you to keep dragging around. And I know you love to hang around people that want to remind you of your imperfections, but listen, you need to dump those people. Turn to somebody and say, That's not, not, now you know why I'm not sitting where I used to sit. Huh? So, you've heard me say this, and I'll give you the illustration. The word forgetting in the Greek language is made of three compound words in the Greek. Epi, lathano, omahi. Epi's on top of. Lathano, it means to cover, hide, or conceal. doesn't mean to eradicate. And where we get a word M-A-I or omahi, it means it's ongoing. Ongoing. So he's giving you this word, epilathano omahi, it means this. It's an ongoing process. It's ongoing. It's not over. So we're going to have to always put things, what happened to us, behind us every day of our life. Every day of our life. It's not going to help you. And I'll tell you, even the good things can hinder you if you're not careful because you live in, in the accolades of everything you've done in the past and you're not paying attention to what's going to your future. So I appreciate you living for Jesus 25 years ago, but at the moment, you really need to get your steps in stride. But let's just deal with the bad. So you've heard me explain this, but I'm, I'm going to, for some of you that, are, that have not been here long, the word forgetting, it means this. It's, it's a mental act that we do on a continual basis. We have to. Don Dixon gave us a great word this morning. I mean, it was great, but he, he brought to the fact of, of this. It's, it's constant that we have to remind ourselves not only who we are, but whose we are. And the things that happen to our past, listen, is not indicative of who I am. What I do from time to time is not indicative of who I am. See, you could, you could have a, a, a friend to come over and say, hey, I'd like you to meet my pastor. He's a great guy. He's got a great wife. And, and, and I made an appointment to meet him at the office. And, and, and you walk in the door, and, and you're proud to introduce this friend to me. And, and, and as soon as he's walking the door, I slam the door on my thumb. And immediately I just grab it and I just start throwing things and kicking things and hollering. And the first thing you're going to say is, this is not really the way he usually acts. <laughs> well, it is, but I mean, not in front of people he don't know. See, just, just every once in a while, you have to keep this in mind. What you do is not indicative of who you are. Because Ephesians has six chapters and the first three deals with our position in Christ and the next three deals with our condition in Christ. Our position never changes. Our conditional change. You've heard me say that, that David used to be a police officer. Maybe he still is. But, but I'll tell you that being a police officer, you pull somebody over and you look at the driver's license and say, well, I see your name here and I see that you're six foot one, but it says here in your driver's license, you weigh 135. And I can tell you right now, I'm going to break out the bathroom scales and you better weigh 135. Our condition changes. But our position, who we are, never changes. I'm thankful for that. And so I'm going to have a volunteer. This is scary. And I really want to embarrass. Who does not want to be embarrassed? Give her a round of applause. 
You can be seated. So this word forgotten, it's, it's a funny word, and I'll just speak to you. Just forget them, okay? It's, I know that you're a, you're a pursuer of the Word of God, and I know that you love God. And so it's my job to try to make things simpler to you. So sometimes it's very difficult to get past things that's happened to us. I don't really know anything about you, right? Nothing. This is not set up. Um, I really don't know anything about you, but, but me and you both, as, as men and women of God, that sometimes that things that's happened to us in the past really, really can, can bog us down and drag us. Okay, we understand that. So what I want you to do, I'm going to give you a good Bible lesson on how this works. Okay? This is not a trick. This is a black sheet of paper, and this is a black marker. Nobody's going to read this. I'm going to give you about 10 seconds to write something down that has happened to you that nobody will ever read, and I'll let you tear it up. But we're going to do this, something that's very personal to you. You take that, and you can use my notebook. And nobody's going to see it. But before you write it, something that has happened to you, and it doesn't matter how long ago that you've never got really past it, okay? Besides meeting Ron, I mean, besides that. <laughs> and, and, and I want it to be sincere because, because I'm not going to read it, but this is, this is about helping you. Not that you need help, but this is about helping you. So I want you to write something down in small, in small letters that nobody else will see, but, but you know what it is. Get it? Turn it over, please. So whatever this is, evidently, it's, it's, it's either been bothering you or it's still hung in the back of your mind, correct? Got it. Just stay right there. Now, we're both going to agree that whatever it is is there, and it's, it's constantly reminding you. No matter where you go, it's constantly reminding you that it's there, okay? Now then, what I want you to do is I want, write, I want you to write something on here you can write it in big letters or if you want to, something that's very positive in your life that either you've done or somebody's done for you. Just, just a few words, just something very positive. Maybe you're in love. <laughs> She's not quick to pull that trigger. Maybe uh, <laughs> listen, something that has happened to your life to make you feel like a better person. One or two words. Turn it over. Let me have it. Write something else. Something that makes you feel good. Something that makes you feel complete. Something that you do or somebody's done for you that makes you glad that you're alive. You know I'm on the clock here, don't you? <laughs> I'll help you. Being loved. Good answer. Write another one. Good answer. Write another one. 
And thank God we're out of paper. <laughs> Great answer. Now the question to you is this. Is the thing that has bothered you for a long time that has even hindered your walk with Christ, is it still there? Can't say it. Lathano means that not it won't be taken away. It means to cover it up. Okay? So what the way that we get these things behind us is this, instead of in focus, because when these things are not there, we're back to that. We're not happy. We can't love. We can't be in love. We can't be free. We can't have a family. Whatever that you wrote down, because we're constantly looking at that one imperfection. The Apostle Paul says, for you, you've got to get that thing behind you or a piece so that thing is no longer a part of your life. No longer. So the way that you do this is forgetting. It's epilethano. Epi is on top of. And what you do is you take good and positive things and you cover it up. It doesn't mean that it's not there because at any point in your life, you have the opportunity to uncover it. But the question is, why would you? And so as you begin your Christian journey, you walk and somebody reminds you of all this stuff and this is what you say, I don't even know where that is in my life anymore because it's been covered up with love, grace, goodness, faithfulness, and all these things that Christ has to offer for me. Amen. Say, so as you go in your journey, wherever it goes from here, keep in mind that those things that have been hidden and concealed, it's not the fact they'll ever be taken out of your mind because it won't. It's impossible. What happens is, for 40 years, like myself and my wife, we have just covered up with people like the Edges and the Dvoriks and <laughs> the rest of you, that we just covered up with good things and happy things and fun times until somebody said, well, you remember when that happened 25 years ago? You know what? That's been so long ago, and I've covered that up with so much. I don't even notice it. It's even in somewhere in my framework. Getting these things behind you will help you just continue to come to this church or go to a church Learn about Jesus, know about his grace, learn about his love and what you're doing. You're just throwing that on top of all these things behind you, and I will tell you, it'll make you a better person. That's what it means to forget, not amnesia, to overlay it with good things. Amen. Go to your seat. <laughs> One of the things she wrote that made me happy, she says, Texas. So that's how that works. The Apostle Paul said this is how it works in the body of Christ. Is that it's so important, and I want to say this to you, this is why coming to church is so important. Because I know, I know the thinking of theology today is says that you need to get alone and find yourself. Well, here's the deal. I found myself, and I wasn't that impressed. I was more depressed. But it never fails. When I come here... I feel better. Just a handshake and a hug and a good smile, I feel better. This is, not, this is not necessarily getting spiritual about it. This is about a physical people coming together that love God, embracing one another. And I will tell you, no matter what of a rotten week that I had last week, and maybe I didn't, but I'll tell you, you this morning, you have overlaid it with good and gracious things. And thank you for that. 
So that's the way we do this in our whole life. And you know what, miss? Your whole life you'll do that. Your whole life. And no matter what, it's in the negative part. Just overlay it with good things. Now, at the church, you run up here and tear all this stuff up. No way I mess with it. So this morning, as we close, the life of Joseph, I asked somebody one time, and he was serious. He was a clergy years ago. And we just come off to walk to Mass. And he's a good guy. And uh, this is what I asked him. I said, I was trying to give him a little Bible story, a brief one. Imagine that. And, and I said, what really do you know about the life of Joseph? And he said, well, I, I, I know a couple of things. And I said, well, let's hear it. And, and this was a preacher, but it's all right. He said he received the promise, and he was placed in the palace. That's what he said. And he said, and there's some other negative things that happened to him along the way. I'm just, I don't think it's that big of a deal. It's a huge deal. In no way, shape, or form that we're even going to talk about the life of Joseph, but I will tell you there's more to this than he received a promise, which he did. He had 11 brothers that hated him. He had 11 brothers that hated him because that God, God's blessings and anointing was in his life, and he just happened to mention it. it it's amazing. Not everybody's going to be excited when you really get anointed by God. Even the people... Not only your family members, but maybe the people in the church with you. It's amazing what happens that you'll figure out that the religious people, when they realize that you're not religious, you've got the king living in you. They're not that excited about to hear what the king's got to say. This is not a democracy. This is a theocracy. And I want to say that in English. The kingdom of heaven is not a democracy. We don't necessarily have to vote on the majority wins. This is a, this is a theocracy, a monarch. There's only one king, and God himself sits upon the throne. And the king lives within us, and kingdom principles live with us, and we start talking about kingdom principles, and this is why they, they hated Jesus, because he talked about his father's king. And this is why they hated the disciples, because he talked about the kingdom. Joseph received the promise. At the age of 17, his brother faked an abduction. They called 911 and said, our brother's been kidnapped by some Midianites and Mishleots, and so they faked the murder, put fake blood on his coat, and gave it to his father and said, He's a goner. We saw him. He's dead. A pack of wolves got him. At the age of 17, he was abducted from his family, his, his father. And for 13 years, he was moved into a prison. Potiphar got him, young, intelligent. Potiphar was, was kind of like a, a governor there, very smart, had a lot of businesses. and. And, and Potiphar saw that he was wise because, you know why he was wise? Because God was in him. Yes, yes. I'm going to tell you right now, if God's in you, it don't matter where you are, whether you're in the palace or the prison, God's going to honor you and bless you. I'll tell you, it doesn't matter. If, it, it doesn't matter. If God's in you, his anointing's in you, so it doesn't matter. And I'll say there's, there's different benefits. I mean, it's, it's different between being on a bar stool and a, and a bar stool here in the church house, but I will tell you, no matter where you go, the anointing of God is upon you. He's not limited to a church building with yellow walls. You were designed to shed light wherever you go. So Potiphar's wife liked him as well because he was a young boy and falsely accused him of having some advances towards him. And so he throws him in the dungeon. For 13 years, Joseph spends his life in a prison. 
And you know how all this story goes, that God gives him favor, second in command, and he gets the big picture. Genesis 15, 20 says this. It took 13 years. It took a big guy to say this, but he said this. Of all the things in front of his brother, they bring him back to Egypt. He said in Genesis 15, verse 20, of all the things that you've done, but as for you, your brothers, you intended me against me, but God meant to be good. What you meant for evil. Well, that takes a big picture. It takes a big picture of maturity. You look back at people that wanted to hurt you and abuse you. And you look back and say, you know what? The big picture is this. You meant evil to me, but God intended for it to be good. Amen. That's the big picture. So that's the end of the story. And it's a good ending and it has a happy ending. But but before he got there, there's a lot of bad things that happened to Joseph. Now, I don't know about you, but 13 years in Egyptian prison is not a good deal. Some of us on cruise ships that we go to Cayman Island, Mexico, Cozumel, and Progreso and the places, but, but we take inner city tours. And every little inner city tour that I went, they'll take you by the jailhouse intentionally. Really, intentionally. And the jailhouse does not look like the Trump Tower buildings in New York. The jailhouse is a, is a very, very um, torturous, diminished of, of a facility place. And whatever tour that you go on, make no mistake about it, I know Brian and Ben, not in jail, but he's, I don't think, but they'll tell you, Hoover, the tour, this is what they'll tell you. Make no mistake about it. Whatever that you may get away with in America, you cannot get away with here. You do not want to go there. Well, the Egyptian prison was about like that. I mean, they put them in prison to die. If you didn't die, the only reason why he didn't die because he was probably young and God was with him. But, but I will tell you that in that period of time, a lot of bad things happened that can happen in prisons back then. But before Joseph could get to this place where he says, this is the big picture, it's called 50-20, that what you intended for evil, God intended for good. Well, that takes a big man to say that. But something happened in Joseph's life that he was not yet over the gall of imprisonment. He wasn't yet over the gall of his brothers betraying him. He wasn't yet over... The, the corruption and, 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 and the premeditated murder that his brothers was planning for his life. Basically, they murdered him emotionally and mentally. And see, he wasn't over it yet. Make no mistake about in prison. I mean, he didn't say, hey, I'm glad to be here. Let's sing for the Lord is good. And his I mean, it's, that's not it. But something happened to him, and God dealt with him. And Joseph had two sons. And this is very important this morning, is that even though that there are 12 tribes, but Joseph doesn't have a tribe, he gave his tribe to his two sons. And these two sons really represent where our success is in our Christian walk. And here we go. His firstborn was called Manasseh. Manasseh. That's his firstborn. It means you have made me to forget. His second born was Ephraim. And his name means fruitful. 
Joseph's life is very bitter. Full of hate. His family hated him. His father loved him. His brothers hated him. The people that bought him hated him. They tortured him. They probably raped him. And he grew up in this mentality. And even though that God had a promise and a place in the palace for him, but he was not yet ready to receive the place in the palace. He had the promise upon him. He knew that. He saw the heavens opened up and he knew that. But for the place of receiving the promise of getting to the palace, we're kind of there. So he's still dealing with a lot of stuff in his past. And so God said, I, I know what's going to fix this. He had two sons. And when the first one came out, in the midst of his anger and hostility and rage and all the stuff in his past, he looked at him. And when that boy came out of that mother's womb, he said, at that moment, you made me to forget all those who hate me. kind of amazing what a child can do. Ask me why I like to work in the daycare. They make me laugh. I don't mean this to be disrespectful because you're not far from it. I'm not even looking at you, Susan. When Ron said an old widow woman, he was looking right at you. I don't even know why he was doing that. But I can walk next door into the senior citizen quarters and there's no laughing, there's no running, there's no kids going, ah, my hair's on fire. I mean, it's nothing like that. I mean, it's just, I told somebody the day, I, they all call me Papa Jody. And I rode a motorcycle one time up here, and then they started calling me Papa Wheelie. <laughs> Watching my grandson Alex come to the back door dressed up hollering Papa. He made me forget what a rotten week I had. Watching my granddaughter walk in the back door during music practice while her mother's singing, and she's got a fake microphone singing right along with her. Donna, she made me forget. The original Hebrew language for this name, Manasseh, we, we, we do it in injustice, we call forget. That's not really, it means You've made me to forget. And when he had the second one, his name is Fruitful. Here's, here's the combination. Watch this. In order for you to be fruitful, you're going to have to learn how to forget. Because without forgetting, there's no fruitfulness. Some of you this morning, Jesus said, I want you to bear fruit, bear a lot of fruit, bear much more fruit than, than not only for yourself, but you can just give away. But the way that you can become fruitful is this. You cannot become fruitful unless you understand about forgetting. And I know that we, if, if it was up to us, we wanted Ephraim first. Lord, if you'll, just, if, if you'll just help me to be fruitful, I'll forget about that other mess. No, you won't. No, you won't. So here's the lesson. When you begin the process of forgetting, 
then God makes you to be fruitful. Every one of us this morning, we've experienced things. We've experienced rage and hate and jealousy. We've experienced injustice. We've experienced false accusations. We've experienced people disappointing us. We've experienced us disappointing ourselves. But we have got to get past that. We've all got it. We've all got that black piece of paper. We keep it close. Why do you do that? Why don't you just be happy? Why don't you be free? And this is the deal. Until you can get, until you forget it. Now, one of the things this morning before we go home, and I mean this, isn't it amazing that he says, you have made me to forget. He wasn't talking about God. He was talking about the little fella that was referred to as his son. And I think it's amazing how many people God has sent your way to help you to forget so you could be fruitful. Wow. Funny how God will send Manassas to our lives in order for us to become fruitful. You see, God knew exactly what it was going to take to turn Joseph's life. And Joseph would have been bad in the palace until he got this bitterness out of his life. And you hear me loud and clear that even though you have a destiny and a place in the palace with God, but God's no, not so quick to get you there until we get this mess out of us. Because he wants us to be a good king, good righteousness, good-tempered, patient, loving, kind. And the way that we become that is through the process of every day of our life, putting these things behind us, covering them up with good things so we can become fruitful. God's not interested in bitter fruit. There is a difference between a plum and a persimmon. I'll promise you that. So this morning, this is how we do this. Is that we learn to forget. It's a mental act that we're going to do. So this is what I'll say to you. My, my friend Kirk Keener has gone. I won't say too much about that, but Boy, there's been many times that I really, really, really wanted to quit. I told them at the graveside, I'll tell you, so you just close your Bibles and pink somebody say he's through. About a year into the church, I quit. Nine months, I quit. I had enough. Now, most of you wasn't there, so you're off the hook. Melissa was there, so she's on the hook. No. I love God. I just didn't know how to deal with people. And, and I found out in this town, there's, there's, there's just exorcisms. Exorcism, Jesus never performed an exorcism. He casted them out. Exorcism, by definition, means a transfer of spirits. So what I mean by that is they, when a new church popped up, you just had this blood clots going around, and they just wanted to land over there and start their own whatever. It was a clotting of the blood, I called them. So this went on for a few weeks and oh, it got bad bitterness and strife and people yelling, screaming, people tell me what I need to do, what I don't need to do. So I told God, I said, I'm through. I've had it. I'm, I quit. I'll go back to the oil field where, where God was real to me. Because these people are killing me. 
I'm coming here with joy, and they all got fire extinguishers. So I went to Curtis, and because he was the founding member, and I said, to Kurt, I quit. And he said, you quit what? And I said, I quit the church. He said, uh, are you sure? And I said, Kurt, I'm not sure of anything, but I can't do this anymore. He said, okay. So that was a Sunday evening. So he said, I'll come by Monday and show you something I bought. I said, okay. So he picked me up in this little Toyota and off we go. Oh, he's just chirping like a songbird. And we go to, I think it's Five Turner. He pulls up in the driveway, and it, it's a house on the corner that burnt down. And it's covered in black. There's a hole in the roof that's the size of, of the whole roof in the house. The fire department went in and did their job, if you know what I mean. If it wasn't tore up, they tore it up. Full of black, full of soot. There was nothing left in the house that was not covered in black. The roof is gone. And I wouldn't even get out of the driveway. And I said, Kurt, please don't tell me you paid money. He said, oh, I did. I love her. He said, let's get out. I said, Kurt, I don't want to get out. I don't want to go. I don't want to get out. He said, we're going to go in. I said, I'm not going in. We made it through the front door, and there's just piles of rubbish. And he looked at me, and this is what he said. You've got to get past the debris. You've got to see past the soot. And he said, I'm looking around and I'm not seeing black walls and imperfections. I'm seeing a house that I can restore. And he said, it doesn't matter if it's in this house or the people of that church. You've got to look past their imperfections and see what God can do. And I'm thankful to say that's been 31 years and some change. So this morning, I say to you, let's get past the imperfections of one another. Let's get past the failures. Let's get past the burnout places in our lives. Let's forget about them. And let's go forward. And let's turn one another into God's beauty and God's something full of grace and goodness. Thank you this morning for being Manassas in my life. Thank you for reminding me of the goodness of God. Thank you this morning, Chuck. Every time you come to church, you're always smiling and you always want to hug my neck. Thank you because you have made me for God of the people that hate me. Thank you. Armilo, thank you for giving me grapefruit the size of soccer balls. <laughs> Father, this morning we're all on our way. We're all on a journey. And it's almost like the things have happened to our past. It's almost like dragnets. It's anchors. We're trying to row this small boat that we have, but there's so many anchors that are attached themselves to things that have happened to us in the past and we're going nowhere. There's a lot of effort but there's no forward progress. If we are ever going to become what you said that we could become, we've got to cut loose the ropes that hold us back. We've got to lay aside every weight that easily besets us.
And you know that we can't do that on our own, so you send Manassas into our life that they made us to forget those that hate us. You have sent men into my life that made me forget the hardships and the cruel words and the cruel actions that some have said and performed years ago, months ago, days ago. But you have sent Manassas my way. They made me forget. And I'm fruitful for it. These people, Father, that we worship with, they're more than just people. They're Manassas in our life. You strategically have sent them here because you want us to bear fruit that glorifies our Father. So this morning as we leave this place, that we're going to leave this place being thankful. That when I hug necks and I shake hands, they're more than just hugging my neck. and They're doing more than shaking my hand. They're helping me forget the pains of my past. And as I do that, I become fruitful. I know you're here this morning. I just want to know, are you bearing fruit? I know you're sitting here, but I'm asking you, are you fruitful? I know you're a friend of God, and I know you're part of the family of God. I understand that, but are you, are you really fruitful? And if you're not, you don't have to answer that, but if you're not, it's probably because you still haven't forgotten some things. So this day, we, we're going to make a covenant. We're going to forget. And we're going to be fruitful. In Jesus' name. And all the Manassas in my life said, Amen. Amen. Stand with me this morning. And give the Lord a praise offering, if you would, please. Huh? The Lord is good. This whole sermon and this whole series is really about just helping you get your attention right. And God really wants you to bear fruit. I don't think there's a day that goes by, especially in the last year, that I haven't really been aware of what God is doing in our lives. He's brought about this, this COVID one-niner to bring about the importance of, of fellowship, not only with Him, but fellowship with one another. So if I said anything this morning, I'm going to close with this. You've made me to forget, and I'm very thankful for it. Thank you for your love and support and your friendship through the years. I'm a better man because of you. That night, Jesus said with his disciples, he took the bread and he took the cup, and he, he lifted the bread up, and he said, for 1,500 years, you've been celebrating this ordinance of the unleavened bread, the bread that has, the leaven has been extracted out of, that there's no sin in it, and he said, but now I am the bread of life. There's no sin in me. As often as you take this bread, 
from now on you will remember it's me my body that was broken for you your broken dreams your broken lives your broken hearts your broken homes your broken marriages your broken minds Jesus become broken for us he took the cup and he lifted it up and he said for 1500 years you've been celebrating the ordinance of, of the shedding of the lamb's blood you've taken the blood and you placed it upon the doorpost in the shape of a cross but now then this cup will take on a new meaning it is the shedding of the blood of the new testament lamb that takes away the sins of the world you will take this blood and it'll be placed in the shape of a cross for the forgiveness of sins as often as you take this cup and drink of this cup and eat of this bread it will remind you of me Father bless this cup bless this bread and bless every Manasseh in my life they're here to make me fruitful in Jesus name